Well, thank you, Diane. That's a beautiful reflection. How many of you are at home this morning in your pyjamas? I kind of wish I'd worn pyjamas back to church this morning here. That would have been a lot more comfortable. But anyway, welcome. It is great to have you joining with us today. For those who don't know me, my name's Elisa. I'm one of the interns here at York Street. And it is my honour to be bringing to you God's word today. It is school holidays, which means kids. There is no kids' church online for you today. Our amazing kids' team leaders are having a well-deserved break. They have done an amazing job still engaging our kids with each other and with God's Word uh, during these crazy times at the moment. So glad that they can have a beautiful break. In the meantime, Kids, we have got this image that's going to be hidden on your screens during the message today. And we can challenge you to see how many of them you can count. Uh, If you'd like to check if you're right or not, you can jump on the York Street Facebook page a little bit later on and should have the answer up there. So look out for those. Well, we are in our final week in our look of the Gospel of John. We have been going through it together both uh, in these sermons, but also in a reading plan. We've been encouraging you guys to actually read through the gospel at home. And we've also had the amazing blessing of having some of our community reading those things for us and having an audio version that we can actually listen to, which has been great because you can listen to it while you're eating breakfast or doing dishes or something like that. And I love the way that they have really brought these stories and these words of Jesus to life in them. So if you haven't checked those out, that audio version is available on our website at the moment. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. It's just a way that we've been able to bless you guys and, well, me, because I've been listening to them at this time. So that's great. As I said, this week we are jumping into our final week in John. We're looking at John chapter 21. So if you've got a Bible near you, or around you. I'd encourage you to go grab that. We're going to read through that chapter together soon. But first, let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you have gone before us today. And we thank you that you are opening up our ears and hearts to receive what it is that you want to hear, you want us to hear today. God, would you guide my words Would you help them to be yours and not mine? Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said, we have been looking through this Gospel of John. In week one, Tim looked at John chapter one. We talked about when Jesus called his disciples and the fact that we are called by God. We are called to live and love like him and to bring along others to do the same. In week two, we looked at John chapter 2 through to John chapter 10. We focused in on the Samaritan woman and talking about when we meet Jesus, it changes us. We cannot really meet Jesus and be the same. There's a transformation that occurs. In week three, we looked at John chapter 11 to John 12. Uh, This is when Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead. We talked about Lazarus, get up. This is a crucial moment in Jesus' ministry. And we talked about whether there are relationships or dreams that were born in you that have died, that Jesus is wanting to bring back to life at the moment. 
in week four, Ange talked about John chapter 13 through to 17, Jesus' final words to his disciples before he was arrested. It's a big chunk of scripture with actually a lot of Jesus talking in it. And it reminded me, quite a few years ago now, I read the Chronicles of Narnia books by C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis is a very descriptive writer. He likes to tell a lot of details. And I hadn't read these books before. And C.S. Lewis was taking about three pages to describe a tree. And I just wanted to know what happened. And so I started this really bad habit of skipping big chunks of the book, trying to actually just find the storyline rather than just all the details. Only to find at the end of the book that this tree he was taking three pages to describe was actually crucial to the storyline, and I had to go back and read it again. And I find sometimes, particularly this chapter 13 to 17 in John, is very much like that. We tend to, there's these big chunks of Jesus talking, and my natural reaction is just skip through it because I want to find out what happens. But actually, there's so much wisdom in there. There's so much beautiful things that God can teach us in those chapters that if you have done what I've done and skipped through them, now's the time to actually go back. Well, not right now. Maybe once church is finished, whenever you're watching this, go back and read through them because there's actually some really beautiful, life-changing words in those passages. And that is what Anne shared with us in week four. She talked about take heart, that you will have trouble in this world. But Jesus has overcome the world. And in these chapters, Jesus gives us some keys to help face those hard times. In week five, Amelia looked at John chapter 18 through to 20, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and the fact that Jesus has victory over the darkness, that light changes our perspective on things, and Jesus is the light in that darkness. And that takes us to this week. This week is the final chapter of John, John chapter 21, if you'll turn your Bibles with that. Now we're going to start from verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, The sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. So back before they met Jesus, these disciples had jobs. They had things that they were doing that were familiar to them. Peter was a fisherman. This is something he did all the time. It was familiar. It was ordinary. And all these other disciples had jobs as well, things that were familiar to them. And then all of a sudden, they meet Jesus, and they give up everything. They give up everything, and they follow him around for three years. Three years they've spent following Jesus as he performs miracles as he raises people from the dead. They listen to his teachings and see the way that he lives his life. That's got to be life-changing for them. That's a huge three years. And then they go through seeing Jesus arrested and killed and sitting there in those three days with their whole life not knowing what to do. 
And then Jesus comes back to life again. He's back. And he's walking among them and talking among them. And Thomas is looking at the holes in his hands and in his side. And now, now they're back fishing. They're back doing something that they've done a million times, doing something ordinary. Now, maybe they were going back to fishing as a career, or maybe they were just hungry or needed a bit of money. But they were back doing something normal and familiar and ordinary. I wonder what that would have been like for them. After everything they had experienced, to be doing something so normal. But this time, Jesus wasn't with them. And it says they fished all night and caught nothing. Let's continue in verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends! Haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. I love Peter. He is a very real character, isn't he? He often says and does things without thinking it through. I love this picture of John and Peter together. John John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. If you ever read that in the text, this is the same John who has written this gospel. John is very quick to see Jesus. He's very quick to recognize this is the work of the Messiah. And Peter, Peter is very quick to act. As soon as he knows it is the Lord, he's like, well, if it's, God, if it's Jesus, I'm all in, like literally in the water. That's Peter. Peter's very quick to respond to Jesus. Let's continue, verse 8. The other disciples followed in the boat, probably much more sensible than jumping in like Peter, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. Now, I looked up how far 100 yards is because I don't do yards. It's about 90 metres, so just short, excuse me, just short of a 100 metre sprint. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. They were back fishing. They were back fishing without Jesus and they caught nothing. And now Jesus appears and their nets are filled so full they can't pull them into the boat. They're filled to bursting and yet the net doesn't 
break. They were back fishing. But Jesus had called them to something else. Jesus had called them to spread the message that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, and that he had come to bring life to the world. At the end of chapter 21, we haven't quite read that far ahead this morning, I know, but John says that there is so much more that he could have written. It could fill all the books in the world. Pete put this really, really beautifully last week in his communion message. John could have put so much more, but he couldn't. So what he does put in here, we need to pay attention to. It says that they caught 153 fish. Now, there was a theologian by the name of Jerome, and he stated that Greek zoologists, at the time that John was written, so a long time ago, they had discovered 153 different species of fish. Now, a text does not say that they caught one of every different fish. But I love the parallel here between one of every different one, 153, and what they were called to do, which was to spread this message, spread the good news of Jesus with every tribe, in every tongue, in every nation. Jesus was calling them to something extraordinary. But it had to start with them needing Jesus, depending on Jesus in the very ordinary, everyday things, like catching fish. Even after three incredible years following him, they still needed him beside them as they did those everyday things. And look at where it took them. Again, spoiler alert, but if you go on to read the rest of the books in the New Testament, you'll discover that the disciples did go on to spread the good news of Jesus, first with the Jews, then to the other nations and overseas. They performed miracles, and they even started the first churches. But none of that they did by themselves. Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit. God's presence with us at all times. Holy Spirit guides our words. It helps us understand the things of God. It's like that quiet, still voice, like Jesus standing on the shore, telling them the next move. And you can tell it's the Holy Spirit because the things that come of it are life-giving. In order to bring life, to even the smallest tasks, the disciples needed Jesus. We're going back. Regional Victoria, we're going back. Schools are starting up again in a couple of weeks. Restaurants are open. And when Ballarat stops raining or snowing like it did this week, we might be able to actually meet with people in our new safe ways of doing that. We're going back. And you might find yourself doing things that are very familiar and rather ordinary, like packing school lunch boxes, 
parents, that's a reminder to actually go find where those school lunch boxes are because we shoved them in a cupboard two or three months ago and we're going to need those soon. So, yeah, my reminder to myself is actually to go and find school lunch boxes. Things like waiting at a bus stop, filling your car up with petrol, seeing your grandkids, we're going back. But I don't want to go back to just doing things like these disciples without Jesus. One of the central themes in the Gospel of John is that Jesus brings life. If you turn back a chapter to John chapter 20, that last verse, John 20, 31, it says, But these are written, all these things in John, the things that John has put down in this gospel, all these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. If we flick back a little further in John, John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, that's Jesus talking, I, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. We look at these disciples going back to their fishing, but without Jesus, and there's no life. They weren't able to do what they needed to do, what they were called to do. Their efforts were wasted. I don't want to waste my efforts. I want a life lived with Jesus. Last year, I thought it would be a good idea to try and do an obstacle race. Now, I did a little bit of training, but what I hadn't counted on is that that day was somewhere between 36 and 38 degrees, and we were racing in the hottest part of the day, And the other thing I hadn't counted on was probably how much training I should have done to have my body up to scratch to finish this race. But I started really well. I was running along, I got to the first major obstacle, and I totally smashed it. Like, I owned this obstacle all by myself, no help, winner. Kept running along, got to the second obstacle, smashed it again, feeling totally pumped, this was the best. And then all of a sudden, my body just runs out of energy. Like, it's done. I could hardly walk another step. And I thought, how am I meant to finish this race? There's no way I am able to do this. I do not have the energy for it. But I did not want to quit. I don't like quitting things. I didn't want to quit. And so I had to do something I don't really like to do, which is ask for help. And I literally had to hold out my hand and get a teammate to drag me along at a walking pace to the next obstacle in which I would muster every ounce of energy I could find and smash through this obstacle again, to which then I'd have no energy left. And they'd have to drag me along to the next one. And this is pretty much how I finished this race. Sometimes I think... This is how we treat Jesus. We do everything we can until we run out of strength. 
We run out of ideas of how to solve this problem. And then we ask Jesus to be involved. Then we try to get him to help. When really, it should be, Jesus, this situation is yours. This is the day you have given me. This moment right now is yours. You are here. What can I do? How can I be involved? What do you have for me in this moment? This story in John really shows us that Jesus needs to be involved in even the smallest parts of our everyday lives. He is what gives life to us and what we do. And I'm not talking about success. Success as the world sees it and life in Jesus are two very different things. Again, spoiler alert, I'm doing quite a few of those today, I'm sorry. If we read on, most of these disciples lost their lives because of what they believed in that time in history. That's not success as the world sees it. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about living with hope and joy and peace. I'm talking about light where there has been darkness, life where there has been death, and overcoming. We have the same access to the Holy Spirit, the same presence of God with us that the disciples did back then. We can go back and do the same old thing the same old way, with the same motivations and agendas, but it lacks life without Jesus. But what if you knew? What if you knew that Jesus is with you? What if you knew that the God, the creator of the universe, the one who calls you, the one who's transformed you, the one who brings things back to life, who has overcome the world, overcome death itself, who is light in the darkness and restores broken things. What if you knew that that God was with you? Even as you walked through that classroom door, even as you fold socks, even as you order a coffee and meet with that person, how does it change the way that you speak? How does it change the way you think about that task or that person? How does it change the way you think about yourself? There is a world out there that is lonely and divided and broken and hurting at the moment. What are you bringing into it? Are you bringing the life of Jesus? And are you trying to do that in your own strength? Or are you depending every moment upon the Holy Spirit, upon God's presence that Jesus has given us? We're going back, but we are not alone. Let's choose to listen to that small, still voice in everything that we do, in resting, 
in spending time with people, at school, at work. Let's not try harder, try to do things better, but instead, let's lean into Jesus and invite him to be part of our everyday moments, to bring us life and life to the full. Let's invite him to bring life to what we do, to bring life to our everyday, to bring life to those around us and to bring life back to us, a life that only Jesus can bring. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you bring us life. We are so thankful that you overcome the darkness, that you are our light, that you are our hope, that you are our peace, who is always with us in the big, extraordinary moments of life, but also in our ordinary, everydayness. God, that is the life that you bring. And that is a life that we choose to have with you. We don't want to waste our efforts. We don't want to live a life without you. Jesus, right now we invite you to come, even as we sit and watch this. Would you come and be with us? Would you come and bring life to this day, this moment right now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.